Well, good morning. If you um, remember, we are in a, an Advent sermon series that we've um, simply titled Come and Dwell, and the thought is we would spend these weeks of Advent um, preparing ourselves, preparing ourselves um, not only to remember and celebrate the first coming of Jesus, which we will do uh, tomorrow night and Tuesday morning, but, but also to start preparing ourselves for His second coming, um, that we as Christians believe that Christ will come again, and, and we have a, a call to be ready for that. He Himself said that we should keep watch. We don't know when He's coming, but we know He will come back. Um, I'm actually pleased that we're all here today. I didn't know what was going to happen after, when was that, Friday? Was that the Mayan Apocalypse Day? Um, but we made it here. I, I wasn't actually too worried at all about it um, because Scripture says we don't know when Jesus is coming back. He's not going to tell us. He's, he's going to come back. And so if anybody says they know, um, they're wrong. And so we're here celebrating Advent. And, and, and we say during the season, we say, come Lord Jesus. Uh, we say it every Sunday when we say the Lord's Prayer. We say, what do we say? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. We are inviting Jesus to come, but often I don't think we really know what that means. What does it mean when we say, Jesus, come and be amongst us. Come and dwell amongst us. Come and be with your people. What does that mean? And that's what we've been looking at this Advent season. We want Jesus to come and judge us. Now, that doesn't sound like fun. Um, I'm pretty sure most of you, I know I don't do this, most of you probably do not go around inviting people to judge you. Hey, judge me. What do you think about me? That's not a pleasant thing to do. But we need that from Jesus, and we want that because we want His judgment on sin. We want His judgment on the things of this world that are um, evil and not of Him. Come, Lord Jesus, come and judge us. But also come and convict us. We want to follow you and serve you, and if we're going to do that, we've got to know um, where we're missing the mark, where we're falling short. Come and convict us of our sins. We ask Him to do that every Sunday when we confess our sins. Holy Spirit, come and convict us. Show us where we're not following you. And then last week, come and gather us. Bring us together as your body of Christ. Prepare your church for your second coming. Um, Start making us holy as we gather together as the Lord's people. And then finally, today we're looking at um, purify. Lord Jesus, come and purify us. Come, come and make us holy. Make us worthy to stand in your presence. That's what we're looking at this morning. What does it mean when we ask Jesus to purify us? Um, the themes for many of these sermons come from our book of common prayer. This is um, the, the book of worship that this service is modeled on, that we use um, extensively in the church building, and it's it is um, filled with prayers that, that are ancient, frankly, that are, that are hundreds of years old, if not um, from the very earliest Christians. Um, and, and this morning, the, the collect is what we call it. The prayer for this morning is this. Purify our conscience, Almighty God, by your daily visitation, that your Son, Jesus Christ, at his coming may find in us a mansion prepared for himself, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So what we're doing is we're asking Jesus to purify our hearts, to purify our souls, to make ourselves into a mansion that is prepared for His coming, so that when He comes and when we receive Him, we will be ready. We want to be purified. 
I can think of no better example in all of Scripture um, than Mary to look at somebody who is um, being purified. It has been purified. So we, we have Mary. She's, um, she's amazing. She's the mother of Jesus. She's probably like 13 or 14. I mean, she's very young. Um, and she, she's the model of a purified heart. And there, there's one thing we see in her that's so important that I think that resonates with me in terms of being purified. How are we purified? We're made humble. We're made humble. If Mary was anything, she was humble. If you read all the scriptures, she never points to herself. She never talks about herself. She's always pointing to Jesus, always pointing to her son, to our Lord, Jesus Christ. She's a humble woman. And, and if we're going to have purified lives, we've got to have humility. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning is Mary um, in, her, in her humility. And, and what we want to ask is, what is humility? How do we get it? And where does it lead us? What is it? How do we get it? And where does it lead us? So first of all, what is it? Um, humility is, is basically a recognition of God's greatness and our lowliness. You got that? A recognition of the greatness of God and our unworthiness in light of that greatness. That's humility, realizing who we are and where we stand in relation to God. And Mary um, certainly, certainly had that. She's a young girl. Um, she's pregnant. She's not yet married. And in those days, that was, um, that was a huge taboo. I mean, that was grounds for divorce or, well, not divorce, but not being married, for ostr- being ostracized, that was, that was an awful thing. So here's Mary. Um, but, but imagine the story. Okay, so, so she's sitting here. She's in home. I imagine uh, she's maybe sleeping, and the angels come to her. They come to Mary, and, and they say, this is before our reading today, but um, they say to her, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And what is her response? What does she say? Well, She's greatly troubled. Mary is greatly troubled. The angels just said, basically, hi, the Lord is with you, and she is greatly troubled. And you know what the angels responded? They said, oh, don't worry. Don't worry. God's favor is on you. By the way, you're going to be pregnant. Don't be troubled, but you're pregnant. That is probably not what she was looking for. Probably not what she wanted to hear. But here are these... um, angels, and they're saying, you're, you're pregnant by the Holy Spirit. You're pregnant with the Son of God. And um, Mary says, okay, uh, you know, be unto me as, as you will. I'll, I'll do what you ask of me. I'm not so sure about this, but I'll do what, you, what I ask of you. And so the first thing she does after finding out she's pregnant is she goes to her cousin Elizabeth's house. Our gospel reading says she made haste to go to Elizabeth's house. And I, can, I, I just picture her, and what is going through her mind? As she, as she heads up to the hill country, to Judea, to see her cousin, the angels have said, you're pregnant, and by the way, your um, cousin Elizabeth, who is barren, she is six months pregnant. Um, and so I could see Mary going up there thinking, well, maybe this isn't true. Maybe this was a bad dream. There's no way I could be pregnant. I'm going to go see Elizabeth and she obviously won't be pregnant, and then I'll know. I'll know it wasn't true. I know it was a bad dream, and, and she gets there, and she sees Elizabeth, and at this point, you can't hide it, and Elizabeth is pregnant, and Mary's like, oh, this is true. And not only is Elizabeth pregnant, 
But the baby hears the greeting of Mary. John the Baptist jumps in the womb, and Elizabeth, she goes on, and she says, um, she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And she says to Mary, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed is she who believed. So Elizabeth knows. Elizabeth's been filled with the Holy Spirit. She sees Mary. She says, you have the Son of God in you. And what does Mary do? Well, I'm guessing, I'm guessing that if it was us, um, at least if it was me, I would, I would have one of two things to say. The first thing would be this. Um, I'd say, oh, yes, I'm Mary. I'm God's mother. You may have heard of me. Aren't I privileged and blessed to be the mother of the Lord? Um, she could be proud. She could be so proud, and she could just... Um, talk about herself and how God chose her and how God blessed her and how God gave her Jesus. And that would, um, that would certainly be our temptation. But there's, there's some obvious pride there, right? That wouldn't be humility. That would be pride. That would be an example of a heart that is still being purified or maybe it's not been begun. But there's another op, uh, op- option here. And to me, this also stems from pride. Um, this sort of thing for Mary, um, quite honestly, could ruin her life. An unwed, pregnant woman, in those days, her life could be ruined. And so what would another option be? Why, God? Why are you doing this to me? Why can't you pick somebody else? This is not what I had planned. I'm getting married. I had a husband all picked out. We're going to Going to be in, we're engaged, we're going to get married and live a long, happy life together. Why on earth would you put me through this? We've all been there, right? We've all asked that question. It's a valid question. But that's not Mary's response either, is it? It's, that's a response of pride, of pride that we know better than God what, what our life has in store for us, that we know what we should do, that we know what God should give us, because if he would just do these things, life would work out perfectly. We know it, God doesn't, and so we get upset or frustrated. And I'm telling you this morning, God welcomes that. He wants that. He wants you to, to question these things. But at the end of the day, he wants you to trust him. And so we have Mary. What does she say? When she finds out that this is true, verses 47 and 48, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She responds humbly. She, she says, Lord, I, I trust you. Thank you. Um, help me. But, 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 but I'm putting my trust in you. And I'm putting my faith in you. My soul magnifies the Lord. She knows her place. She knows that she is down here, that she cannot comprehend God's plans, that she's not worthy, she's a humble servant, and that God is up here, and he knows the plans he has for her. And he knows they're not going to be easy. But she is serving him because of her humility, because she's being purified. She has a purified heart. And so 
what our challenge is then is if we want to um, even approach this idea of being purified by God is, is we have to start thinking humbly. We have to recognize who we are, that we are, we are sinners in need of a Savior, sinners in need of a guide, the Holy Spirit, to show us and to guide us in this world, that we are sinners waiting, hopefully, for Christ's return. We've got to have humble hearts. So humility is that. It's recognizing who we are in light of who God is. Second thing, how do we get it? How do we get this humility? Well, here's what Mary did. She reflected on the promises of God. She reflected on the promises of God. That whole song that she sings that we call the Magnificat she is, a, is a continuous reflection on the promises that God has for her and has for his people. So she remembers, you know, God has shown mercy. God has scattered the proud. God has brought down the mighty. God has filled the hungry. She's able to receive God. She's able to be humble because she remembers the promises of God. She remembers the promises of God, the things that God has said he's going to do in her and for her and for her people. She always is coming back to that. And so she's entering what is, is likely to be a very difficult time of her life. But she's able to be thankful and humble because she knows that God is doing a great work in her because God is fulfilling His promises to the people of Israel that, that they will be saved. Does that resonate with you all this morning? Christmas can be a, a joyful time for sure, but it can be a very hard time. It can be very challenging. Um, our, our, our friends up in Connecticut right now are, are, are mortified and, and, and grieving. And many of you in this room, I'm sure, are grieving. Now, I'm not sure what's going on in your life, but, but can you remember the promises of God? The promises that he made to us in Jesus Christ that, that we are saved? That all who believe, all who confess Jesus Christ as Lord are saved? And that's not, um, it's saved from our sins for sure. It's saved from the things where we have turned from God and turned away from Him. But it's also saved from the evil of this world. When we look at this world and we think it's falling apart and we can remember the promises of God, that one day it will be restored. It will be made new. We're facing a lot of things. It's um, sickness, cancer, um, death, relationships. Work. These things are good for other people, but for, for many of us, like work, it, it, could, be very, it could be very challenging. Um, cancer, challenging. And God will he'll destroy that. That's His promise, that one day we will all be renewed. This whole creation will be restored, and that stuff will be gone. And every tear will be wiped from every eye. Can we hang on to those promises like Mary has hung on to hers? Can our souls magnify the Lord because we humbly submit to Him? How do we get it? We reflect on the promises of God in Jesus Christ. And where does it lead us? Well, we've started to answer this question, but we'll, we'll go into it a little bit more. Um, I'm going to turn back now to Micah. This was the Old Testament reading we had today. Um, Chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. And, and Micah is prophesying to, to Israel. 
and Israel is about to be taken over by a foreign country, and Micah is saying, this is going to be hard, this is going to be challenging, but one day God will come back. God will return. He's going to come in Bethlehem, the smallest among the towns of Judah, and He will restore your fortunes. And so, um, verse 4 and 5 says this, He shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. He shall be their peace. This prophecy, friends, is fulfilled once in Jesus Christ, who came, we talk about being humble, God himself came as a little helpless baby. And this prophecy will be fulfilled again when Jesus Christ returns. And, and all of this stuff that we have to deal with in this world will be gone. And we will rejoice in the Lord our God. We will glorify Him. And He will be our peace. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You that You are purifying us. That You are making us holy. And by making us holy, Lord, we pray that you would make us humble. Humble to receive you. Humble to know our sinfulness and your greatness and your glory. Make us humble to trust in your promises. And continue to purify us, Lord, until that last day when we will be purified once and for all. And rest in your presence and your glory and your mercy. And we ask these things through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.